Well, praise the Lord. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Awesome, awesome, awesome. How many of you really enjoyed your Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, I, I, I did too. Um, I tell you what, though, it was an extremely stressful week for me. I, you know, I don't, I don't know why. How many of you, the holidays come around and you just, you just get stressed out, you know? For me, it's a work thing, you know, trying to pack work around the holidays, you know, and show your family that, that, you know, family's most important, not work, but at the same time, you can't stop working. Y'all know what I'm saying? Does anybody? No, just me. Okay, I'm sorry. It's all me. I'm a horrible, horrible person. Um, so, but anyway, um, no, I just get really stressed, you know, and, and, and everybody's off for the holidays, you know, and, and the one company that I was really having a hard time with and really need some action, they took off the whole week for Thanksgiving. I'm like, and then I'm trying to, to, uh, uh, get a business vehicle and, uh, the office was closed the day before Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. I'm like, who does that? It's like, man, what kind of world are we living in? Nobody goes to work anymore. Um, <clears throat> anyway. So what God's been speaking to me about, especially yesterday, as I'm contemplating today, God began to remind me of a time in my life when I didn't get stressed out. And I have to think back a long way, a long way, because I stress a lot. I stress out so much, uh, mostly work. And I know what the problem is. God has already told me why I'm stressed out. OK, how many of you got you know the answer? You just can't write quite plug it in. You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, so I know why I'm stressed out. But I think back when I was a kid, my grandpa used to get so angry with me. I was, uh, he would be sitting in, in, in the house there. They had this big, huge house. I mean, when I was a kid, it was a huge house. I went by and saw it later. It wasn't as big as I thought. But to me, it was this big, huge house on top of this big mountain. It was like a little hill, you know, when I went back later. But um, it was this old house with the um, the pyramid shaped roof, you know, and a big front porch with the little gray slats and the port and the porch swing. And and he had perfect grass and a perfect gate. And there was um, uh, what are they called? Jonquils that grew all along every fence line that have just like spread like crazy. And it was just like in a certain time of the year, it was just jonquils just everywhere. And it was a beautiful place. But what I would do is I would get out there in the front yard with my cars and I would begin to pull up grass for my roads and I would make roads through the grass. And my grandpa would get so angry with me and my grandma would be, let him play, let him play, you know. But my grandpa, would he was like he was really proud of that grass. But and he knows, you know, that's never going to grow back where I pull it up by the roots. And so I would make these roads and and I would actually get some dirt and pile up some dirt. And I would make a little uh, place here. And I'd make these just like little civilizations with my Hot Wheels, you know. And that was my thing. And if you left me to myself, that's where I would end up. I would end out in the up in the dirt somewhere with some cars making roads and stuff like that. And I have no idea. I don't think God has called me to road construction. So I have no idea how that ties in. But. Because I've seen the way them guys work. Them guys work. Um, but I don't know how that ties into my life. But it reminded me. I, re, I was reminded of that because I was out clearing some uh, some lots. Uh, uh, Brother Maurice is putting together uh, some uh, 
maybe some tiny houses, going to build some tiny houses for us because we've got six acres there right in the middle of town. And we're just like, man, we should build all these little tiny houses out here, you know. And, and so we're kind of thinking that way and pursuing that. So I just went ahead and I always jumped the gun. So I got out there with a chainsaw and went ahead and made the, cut out the trees for the lots and everything. I had so much fun doing that. And it reminded me of when I was a kid, it was only large scale, you know. And so I don't know how that ties into my life at all. But I remember feeling not stressed. I remember actually doing work type stuff, you know, but it was fun and I wasn't stressed out about it. It's something happened. That's always the way it, you know, what goes on, you know, something happens along the way, you know, there's either trauma or there's people or any way that the devil tries to do it. He tries to get us off of the track that God has us on. So God starts us out a certain way and we know who we are and we know what we love. But something happens in our life or several things happen all throughout our life. And we end up in a place where we're doing work and, you know, this is my job. This is what God has me doing even. But I don't enjoy it. I'm stressed out. I'm offended by people. I'm anxious. I don't know how this is going to work or this is going to work. And I'm scared. I've got money tied up. And what if it doesn't work out? There's fear and anxiety and all of these emotions that I know are not from God. So what happens in our life from when we're a child and we just love what we do? And then when we get to be an adult and we're stressed and anxious about everything. And maybe even the situation, maybe you're doing what you're born to do. But you're still, you're stressed out, you're anxious about all these things. Um, we're going to read this morning. Because from Matthew 4, 1 through 10. Because I believe... When Jesus went into the wilderness and he faced the devil, I don't think that the devil was trying to get him to sin. I think the devil was trying to get him off course. Because I believe that the devil knew we had a discussion with somebody this morning. They're like, do you really think that the devil knew what Jesus, what was, what Jesus was going to do? And I don't know the answer to that because the Bible says if he had known, he wouldn't have crucified him. But I knew he, I know one thing. I know he knew something was about to happen. He knew something was up and he knew who Jesus was and he knew prophecy and he knew something is about to happen. So the only chance he had is to meet Jesus out in the wilderness and try to veer him away from his destiny. And I believe that we can look at that this morning and we can see how he tries to do the same thing to us because the devil's tactic does not change. And you know what? Everything that's in the word of God is useful. If we will pay attention, we will see what the devil does. We will see how Jesus defeated the devil. We will see what we can do and what we can duplicate in our own life to see what Jesus did. We can duplicate that in our own life to see victory over these things. So let's start reading there in verse one. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How many of you, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to stop a lot, but how many of you ever feel like if you could get out of what you're going through, you'd do it, but you, you know, God's hand is in it. You don't like it, but you know, God is doing it. And so, you know, you can't just abandon ship. And so you got to stay in the fire. You want to get out of the fire, but you know that God has you in the fire. That's where Jesus was in this. Uh, the first verse here, it says he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This had to happen. And so 
After he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came. I was going to say something about Thanksgiving. I was hungry the, the morning after Thanksgiving. We were, we were going through the fridge for uh, leftovers the morning after Thanksgiving. So this is 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. And I want to stop right there because that is the phrase that if you'll pay attention to when the devil says, if you are this, he just told you what you are. If you are this. Than this, he came to Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, you know what he was telling Jesus? I realize who you are. You are the son of God. So anytime that the devil lies to you and tells you that you're not this, you're not that you can just reverse that. And you can pretty much know the truth because the devil will never tell the truth. And so when he comes to Jesus, he said, if you're the son of God. And Jesus could have just said, well, thank you for validating, you know, who I already knew I was, you know, because when he comes to you, he's going to try to shift your focus from your identity to something else. Because God, when you start out in life, you know who you are. But for some reason, 42 years on this planet, I know less about who I am today than I did when I was seven years old. Isn't that weird? And it's because of all the voices. Well, here's what the voices are saying. So he said... If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And, you know, he had three things. He prepared for this moment for thousands of years. I'm sure he had three things he could ask. So we need to pay attention because he is he is uh, prepared these questions for Jesus. He said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Everybody say this. We say, I am not what I feel. Jesus was hungry. And he said, if you're the son of God. Then act on your feelings and do this. But this is what Jesus response was. He said, man, it is written that man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what he was saying, what the devil was saying, if you're the son of God, act on your feelings. And what Jesus was saying is feelings ain't got nothing to do with it. Feelings are not the most important thing. I'm not ruled by my feelings. I'm not identify. I don't identify by my feelings. Identify by the word of God. Whatever God says, that's who I am and that's what I'll do. And so then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. It's interesting that the devil painted it up like it was religious, right? Took him to a holy city, put him up on top of the temple. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Everybody say this, say, I am not what I can do. I want to expound on this a little bit and I will some more later. But what the devil was saying is do you really believe you see what the devil's alluding to? He said, do you really believe that if you go to that grave? That you, that, that you will rise again. What he was trying to do is get his focus off of what God is going to do, because Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. It was the power of God that raised him from the dead. So he's trying to get his mind, his eyes off of what God could do. And on his, uh, his eyes on what he can do. And you notice his answer was this. He didn't say, don't put me to the test. 
He was God in the flesh. He could have said that. Don't put me to the test. But he made a point to say, don't put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, I'm not the one that saves myself. God is the one. So what he's showing us in this is so many times we get focused on what we can or cannot do. And there are people in this room and there's people in this world that think they can do anything. And that's the wrong attitude, too. Some people swing the other direction. And the truth is this. When God has a destiny for you and when God has you uh, on a course in life to accomplish something, what you can or cannot do has nothing to do with it. Because he will accomplish what he started. He will finish what he started and he will do what he said he will do through you and in you. It has nothing to do with your abilities. It has to do with your obedience. And this is something that Jesus understood, even though he was God in the flesh. The lesson that he's teaching us through this through this in the Bible is that our focus cannot be on our ability or inability to do what God has called us to do. And then it says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he didn't say, if you're the son of God anymore, because he, he done got that thrown back in his face a couple of times. So what he did is he shifted. He said, okay, so you are the son of God. But what about God? Man, this is what he does all the time. Again, he said, he, uh, he said, all this I will give to you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. And... Uh, This is probably really strong language, you know, in the original language. We don't know what he's actually saying, but um, away from me, Satan um, is pretty strong. And he said, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Obviously, the devil had stepped over a line with this. So he because he went after his relationship with God. He didn't go over after him and say, if you're this, if you're this, because every every question, every time he said, if you're the son of God, he would say he would come. uh, Jesus would come back and say, no, God, this God, this. So he said, why don't you bow down and worship me and I'll give you all of this. And Jesus said to him. Away from me, Satan, it is written, worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. Everybody say this with me, say, I am not what I have. So here's the three things that we get tied up with all the time. I feel this way about myself. So that's who I am. Man, that has got a lot of people in trouble. A lot of people have gone after the way they feel about themselves, what they feel in their emotions, and they, they've identified themselves with their emotions. And they've gotten themselves in a lot of trouble that way. Because you will get down a road so far in your identity and your emotions change. Your feelings change. Your feelings are not stable. They never have been. They are validators. Your feelings come last. When, you, when y'all were uh, little, did you ever go to Sunday school? And you had, when I was a kid, in Sunday school, we had a, a train on the, on the wall. And the, the, the engine, the locomotive, said had God written on it. And the caboose had feelings Written on it. And that was a constant reminder that we cannot be led by our feelings. Feelings are a validator. God says this and God has given us feelings. Yes, but we're not supposed to be led by our feelings because they will change. Our feelings are constantly changed. That's the reason we can't commit to 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 jobs or relationships, all these things. We can't commit to these things because our feelings are changing. And that's what got us into it. And they get us right back out of it. And so, excuse me. I am not what I feel. I am not what I can do. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I am not what I can do. A lot of us, uh, we, we, we will never do what God has called us to do because of our limitations. We'll never do what God calls us to do because it's too big when we look internally. And God never told you to look at yourself. He said, um, David said, I look, I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's never asked you to look at yourself and say, I just don't think I can do this. Of course you can't do it. What do you need God for? You know, if you could do it yourself, you wouldn't even need him. He hasn't called you to do something on your own. He's called you to do his bidding. He's called you to do his work and his strength and his anointing. And with, if you take that away, all you're left with yourself. And of course you can't do it. That's, I mean, that's a given. So, uh, and then what I have, and a lot of us, we, we, finances to me, a lot of times are the biggest inhibitors for me to accomplish, uh, what God has, has me to do. Is because I look around and I say, I don't have what I need to do that. And you know what's funny is anytime I've ever needed anything, it's been there. God has always given me what I needed when I needed it. But still, I look around like it's not here. It's not here. You know, and that's, you know, we have such a hard time trusting God about what we have. So. If you pay attention to the accusation of the enemy, he's going to tell you who you are. He says, if you are to Jesus, the son of God, if you are this, if you are that. So pay attention, because a lot of times the devil knows your destiny better than you do. A lot of times the devil has studied your life better than you. And he knows more about where you're going to end up. And he knows how to interject certain things to get deviate your course and to get you off course from what your destiny and what God has created you to be. He knows that because he studied your life and he knows your destiny. And so we have got to know as good as he does. We've got to know as good as the devil or better who God has called us to be, where we're going, what our destiny is. And we cannot allow him to get us off course. So. That's why he's telling you the opposite. He's attacking your identity in one or all of these categories right now. What you feel, what you can do, what you can have. So let's talk about each one of those things. Let's break each one down. Uh, let's talk about what you feel. We always, these are the, the uh, uh, things that we hear most is, you know, I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like I love God. I don't feel like you love me and I don't feel like I love you. I don't feel this. I don't feel that like that has anything to do with it. God said that he loved you and that's the number one. Well, I don't feel like God loves me. What in the world does that have to do with it? God's word trumps everything. God's word is the preeminent thing that we have got to apply in our life. So. I don't feel these things. We're ruled by our desires, our disappointments, our opinions, our ambitions. Instead of being ruled by God's word alone. God's word alone is what should rule our life. And if we would do what God says, if we will let God's word be preeminent in our life, we would find ourselves just like when we were seven, eight, nine years old. We will find ourselves with peace. We will find ourselves with joy. We will find ourselves walking in our destiny and loving every minute of it because we know what he said and we believe it. And that's all it takes. It's not complicated. So somebody who's ruled by how they feel has folded under the enemy's first attack. He doesn't have to go any further with you. He came at Jesus. That was the first card he pulled and it didn't work. But some of us, that's where we fold. 
when he comes at us about our feelings. We fold. But Jesus told the devil, the way I feel is secondary because what God says is primary. My feelings and your feelings a lot of time are like a one of those big double-decker buses that you see in, in Europe, you know. It's parked on the side of the road with the engine running and the keys in it, and everybody we know is on the bus. Even people we don't even know, we let them on the bus, and we just invite anybody to drive and take us wherever we want. they want us to go. You know, that's the way our feelings are a lot of times. We let anybody drive the bus. You know, and then they'll crash us into something because they don't know how to drive. And then we'll let somebody else take a go at it and they'll drive a while. Guys, I want to tell you, you will never get anywhere letting that go on in your life. You've got to take the wheel of your own life and you drive the bus where the bus needs to go. That's just the way it is. We can't let people. uh, uh, And that's what we're doing when we're ruled by our feelings. We're letting people define our destiny. We're letting people take us wherever they want us to go. And we can't live like that. God's voice has to be the loudest voice in your life. And sometimes that has to be pretty stinking loud because I've got a lot of loud voices in my life telling me, you know, the the things that are just like, just rack my emotions all the time. But God's voice has to be the loudest. And if there are other voices louder than God's voice, there's a thing called proximity. When I get close to someone, they get louder. And if I put my ear right over their mouth, it hurts my ear even. It's so loud. But if I get way over uh, across over there by the barbershop, I can't even hear them anymore. When I get really close to God and I put my ear right on his mouth, his voice becomes the loudest thing. It's resonating in my head. So there's a thing called proximity. If God's voice isn't as loud as the other thing voices in your life, you've got to get your ear closer to what God is saying. You've got to get closer to the source of the sound so that God's voice becomes the loudest voice in your life. And sometimes in your life, you've got to get really close. Because people are screaming and shouting and trying to to manipulate you by your feelings and everything. You've got to, and some of those voices you just got to get away from anyway. Some of those voices you have to listen to, but some of them you listen to even though you don't have to. I'm just saying, some of the people on our bus, we don't even know. They're just on TV. And we let them have a voice of influence in our life and manipulate our feelings. So some of them, we just got to get away from anyway. But some of those voices that become so loud in our life, we've got to get our ear closer to the voice of God. So we're also we're manipulated uh, by this. This was the lie. That uh, is, your destiny depends on what you can do. Can I tell you, if you're wondering if you're going to survive, if you're in survival mode, you're missing the point. If we have shifted into, I just want to be honest with you. I, I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody because I, I know this is just the thing to say. But I'll tell you, and, and if you say it to me, I love you, I forgive you, I, I'm not even, I, I don't even, I'm not even paying attention when you say it because it's just the thing to say. But the fact that it's a thing to say is what, what really gets me is the be safe thing. I don't want to be safe. And I know what you mean. But, alright, see you later, be safe. I'm on the phone with just, you know, some telemarker, you know, be safe. You know, it's like, you don't even know me. You, you want me to be safe. It's like, God's will, I, I know I know what it's pertaining to. Okay, I understand. I'm not bucking the system. I'm just saying, God's will is not safe. 
God's destiny for you is not playing it safe. And if we are looking around and we say, okay, this is what I'm capable of. So I'm going to, I'm going to operate in this realm over here. I'm not going to venture out of, of where I'm comfortable or what I can. You've already missed it. God is calling us into the deep water. God is calling us into the places where we are not safe. God is calling us into the places where we are not comfortable. If we're wondering if we're going to survive, if we're just in survival mode, then we've lost sight of who's in charge. God is big and God is in charge. And God has, what we've lost sight of is the magnitude of your destiny. The magnitude of what he's called you to do. God makes no little plans. And God wants to use you in something you're not comfortable with. God wants to pull you into a place. And that's the fire that I was talking about earlier where I just always feel like God is pulling me into places that I'm not comfortable. He's always pulling me into places where I feel inept and inadequate. And if I didn't know it was God, I would retreat. I would get out of it and say, I'll never do that again. That's not me. How many, y'all, y'all have heard that phrase for it? That's not me. That's not, that's not how I roll. That's not the way I was designed. That's not the way I was made. You know, I just don't. I'm not comfortable with that or whatever, you know. But if God has you in it, you got to stick it out. What else are you going to do, you know? Because also, if God has you in the fire, then he will bring you out. He's there with you, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you will come out without the smell of smoke if God has you in the fire. So some of us, we just got to stick it out and stick in the fire and just say, you know, you know, Safe or not, this is where I am. So, um, I didn't, uh, if I offend anybody about that, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I know what you mean, but anyway. Um, so, I, but sometimes I just feel like doing something dangerous after somebody says that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so Jesus' destiny was bigger and more impossible than surviving the jump off the building. The devil had reduced Jesus' destiny to jump off this building and see if you survive. Like uh, one of those, uh, what was it? Oh, I can't say the name of that show. Remember that show back in the 90s? Uh, it was a bad word, but that's really I can't say it. But where they would just like get in shopping carts and go down a hill, you know, and just do dumb stuff, you know, and just get hurt and get in a big thing of snakes and get bitten by snakes. You know, it's just like. Just idiot stuff, you know? That's kind of what the devil had reduced Jesus to. Jesus was about to save the world. (laughs) And he said, jump off this building, see what happens. You know, it's just like, you idiot. The devil is such an idiot sometimes. But Satan was actually asking Jesus to test the waters. He was planting a seed of doubt. Can I tell you, if you're just trying to survive, you've played into the devil's plan. Will God come through for you? Will he really? How do you know that? Will God come through you? The answer to can you do what God has called you to do is no. You might as well settle that in your spirit right now. The answer is no, you can't do it. So if you've been wondering that and that's been that's been uh, plaguing your mind, just like, you know, am I going to be able to do this? Just the answer is no. Just settle that right now. So Jesus did not tell Satan, if you notice, he didn't say, Satan, don't test me. It's not what he said. He said, don't test God. He said, I ain't got nothing to do with this. I am I'm only doing what my father asked me to do. My father is responsible for my life. This has nothing to do with me. 
And that's the place that every one of us has to get to in our life. That it has nothing to do with me. They will say, will God come through? Really, really? And you've got to come to a place where you say, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter if he comes through or not. All I can do is what he's called me to do. All I can do is fulfill my destiny. Like the, you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew 100% with certainty that they would come out on the other side of that fire? They didn't. You know why they, you, how we know they didn't? It's because they said, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And we've got to get to that place in our life where it has nothing to do with us. Even if he doesn't come through, even if he doesn't do what I hope he does do and he comes through for me, I don't have a choice. I've committed my life to what I was created for this. If I was made for this, then I'll give my life for this. It doesn't matter if he comes through or not. So Jesus didn't tell Satan, uh, don't test me. He said, don't test God. And Satan is right. You can't. God has already promised, though, that he would. And that's the wonderful thing about it. The third thing that the devil came at Jesus with that we've got to settle in our heart is that what he's called us to do has nothing to do with what we have. It isn't about what you have. It's about what he has. You know, what are what is his resources look like? You know, we say, well, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Well, I mean, cows don't really mean nothing anymore. <laughs> My dad tried to raise cows. And that was about the end of the cattle rush or whatever you call it. I mean, it was just like, I mean, cows aren't that valuable. I love steak and I'll pay a lot for a steak. But, you know, but the, I think the real answer is God can have whatever he wants. And I mean, he created everything. So what does he have? Whatever he wants. You know, God can make anything out of nothing. So what does he have? Whatever he needs, you know. So it has nothing to do with what I want, what I have. It all has everything to do with what he has. And let me ask you this. If I'm aligned with his purpose, if he created me for a purpose he has, and I have a destiny on my life, then it has something to do with the big picture. There is a niche that he created me to fit in to advance the kingdom. God has a big picture of things. And he says, this is where we're going. This is the kingdom of God in the earth. This is where we're going. And we're getting to this point, And I'll create you and I'll put you here because I need you right there. So he's created each one of us this way. So let me ask you this. If I get over here out of God's will and God doesn't provide. I think we can expect that. I don't think any of us would be surprised. But if I am aligned with God's purpose. And he has whatever he needs to get it done. And I'm doing what he's called me to do. Would he not provide everything that I need? For him. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm part of. of, Because what he said is going to happen. In the big scope of things is going to happen. And if I'm aligned with what he's doing. Then he will provide everything that I need to fulfill what he's created me to do. I mean he provided me. He provided you to this world for a purpose to to come alongside what he's doing. He'll provide everything you need as well to get it done. So it has nothing to do with what you have. Um, When uh, when I was a kid, I had a lot of really good Christmases. And when I was growing up, we never had big Christmases. But I had really good Christmases. Uh, My parents... 
um, paid a lot, really close attention to us. Uh, me and my sister, when we were kids, they paid really close attention to us because we always had really good presents. Even if they weren't expensive presents, they were good presents. It was just like the things that even I, I didn't even know that I wanted, they knew that I would want. Um, Hot Wheel City. Did y'all, did y'all ever see Hot Wheel City? Oh, my goodness. I, got, I found one at a garage sale, and I got it for Samuel, and I opened it up. I'm like, this was it? It's just a stamp plastic, you know, and the things don't work, you know. It's just like, even when it was new, there was like a, a lift in the garage, put your Hot Wheel on and raise it up. It didn't even work. It was like, you know. Anyway, it was like, it was, now it just looks so dumb. But they really... They knew that I would really love that. And when I got that, I'm like, I didn't even know this existed. This is the coolest thing ever. Um, and I played with that thing forever. And, uh, but one year. Sounds like the glory of God, Miss Doris. <laughs> no. <laughs> you good. There comes a point where you're like, do I ignore it or do I, you know, I say something, you know, because everybody else is paying attention. You know? <laughs> so, no, I'm sorry, Miss Doris. Um, whoever's calling Miss Doris in church, it probably, it, it may be God or it may be somebody speaking for God, so you never know. So, <laughs> Miss Doris is the only one that gets phone calls in church, You're allowed to get a phone call in church. Um, anyway, so I was, uh, I woke up Christmas morning and I'd been begging my dad for a pellet gun for an air rifle. All my friends, well, let me take it back. I didn't have any friends, but I knew a bunch of guys that had pellet guns, uh, <laughs> The reason I didn't have any friends is I, uh, I was raised in the middle of nowhere. I was ma- raised in the middle of a 200-acre uh, IP plantation, you know. It was like international paper plantation. So uh, I didn't have neighbors. My neighbors were Grandpa and Grandma Rogers, and I found out when I was an adult they weren't my real grandparents. Um, but, I mean, because that was just like it was, they were old people. They were close to me. They were my grandma and my grandpa. Um, but anyway, so, but everybody had a pellet gun. And they would come to school and they were talking about these birds and squirrels even that they would kill with these air rifles, you know. I was like, man, I had a red rider. You know, it was, you know, you had to like stick it under your leg and, you know, spring loaded, you know, lever action little thing. And um, a cheap made little thing. Uh, but I got that thing when I was like six years old, you know. And um, it was worn out, you know. It just like, it, it now it made this noise like, bounce. And the, it didn't go as far as it used to. And I was begging my dad for a pellet gun. My dad told me, he's like, you cannot have a pellet gun. It's like, um, I'm never going to buy you a pellet gun. Pellet guns are dangerous. You won't take it seriously. You'll shoot the pets. You'll shoot out windows. You're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt somebody else. You're never getting a pellet gun. Christmas morning. So me and my dad, a side note, me and my dad had had this conversation about, I had asked my dad, and Anne-Marie asked me these kind of questions, now I know where it comes from. Uh, I asked my dad, if you took a shotgun shell and threw it down really hard on the road, would it go off? And uh, and he was like, I don't know, probably. And I was like, that'd be cool. (laughs) And um, so Christmas morning, I open up a present, and it's a box of shotgun shells. And I remembered that conversation. I'm like, this is the dumbest Christmas ever. It's like he wouldn't buy me a pellet gun, so he buys me these shotgun shells that I can play with. You know, it's like he doesn't even care about my safety. You, you know, and uh, I was totally confused, but it was a setup because I, as soon as I, they got picked plenty of Polaroids of, of me going, what? 
you know. Um, he went to the uh, bedroom and pulled out my New England Arms 410 single shot shotgun. And I was, I was floored. I was completely overwhelmed. One thing my dad knew if I had a pellet, if I had a pellet gun, he wouldn't be able to control it, but the shotgun stays locked up, you know, until we go hunting together. And, um, but I was just overwhelmed that he would buy me a shotgun. And a lot of times we get along the road a little ways and we have something that doesn't make any sense. And we say, God, I asked you for this. And we have, and you've given me this, and this doesn't even make any sense, and you don't even know that he's setting you up. That he's about to exceed your expectations. He's about to blow you away with the coolest, with more than you could ever dream. That's the God that you serve. If my dad can be that way, and that's a God-like quality, how much more is God that way? So, did you know, when the, you know, the devil is try, always trying to tell us, like he told Jesus, is that God is not fair. And that's right, he's not. Because if he was fair, you'd be on the cross. I'd be on the cross. God isn't fair. But he loves us and he blesses us. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says this, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. And I do want to get into this next Point of the message, if y'all give me a little bit of time. It is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Everybody say, God is a rewarder. Do you know what the word rewarder means? It means that you did something, and he rewarded you for it. A lot of times, this day and age, we just think a reward is something we get for showing up. And I got to tell you, in business... I, I, it's hard to find. I, I've got some good guys right now, but it's hard to find people that just think that that don't think that it, just because that they got an hour on the clock that they should get paid for that hour. And I know legally they're supposed to, but I'm saying running down a clock is not what we get paid for. And God is not a rewarder of inaction. He's moving forward. And if we're moving forward in his purpose for our life, we will have everything that we need. Satan said this, he said, bow down and worship. You know what he was saying? He said, stop what you're doing. You can't do anything while you're bowing. He said, stop what you're doing. Give up your purpose. Your life will be easier. You can have all this stuff. Give up. Your purpose, bow down and worship me. But he said, this is what God says. He said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Did you know serve is an action? He said, so Satan said, bow down and worship. God said, worship and serve. Start doing what you're made for. Go forward in your purpose and I will reward you. Do you know, inaction brings emptiness. A spoiled kid, you say, well, they're just annoying. <laughs> but even more than that, a spoiled child is miserable. A spoiled child is empty on the inside. This, the, the, the value that comes with walking in your purpose and accomplishing things isn't there. 
So inaction brings emptiness. Reward for inaction brings more inaction and more emptiness. But action brings fulfillment. And God rewards it, which brings more action and more fulfillment. And we walk further and further into our destiny. God does not do entitlement. If you don't take action in your life, he is not obligated to do anything. If he blessed you for just breathing, then he would reward in action, but he would also promote emptiness in your life. He rewards us. That's how our relationship with him works. And you cannot come to God until you realize that you have to take action. This is what the word of God says in Hebrews. You have to take action and know that he will reward that action. The devil says, stop and I'll reward you. God says, go and I'll reward you. The devil's biggest fear today is the same exact thing that it was then. Is to stop the body of Christ from stepping into their destiny. The, what he was trying to do in person, it was so critical in that moment. He showed up in the flesh. The devil showed up himself to take care of it. Is because Jesus was about to open the door for every believer to step into their destiny when he stepped into his. And the devil's like, we got to stop this right now. And so he showed up to stop Christ from fulfilling his destiny. And it's the same tactic that he used then that he uses now. See, Jesus carried in himself all of our destinies. And when he fulfilled his, he made a way for ours. And now every demon in hell is trying to clean up the mess. Every demon in hell is on every believer trying to veer them off of their destiny. Trying to clean up the mess that they could not contain on that day. They're using the same strategy though. That's the reason it's in the Bible. (laughs) That's the reason it's written there. It's not just an event that happened that you can glean from. It's the strategy. It's the devil's tactic. It's the same strategy that's used on every believer that Satan used on Jesus. Feelings over his word. Focus on your limitations and forfeit your destiny. Just like with Jesus, it's a plot to stop you from succeeding in what you were created to do. There is an attack today on your identity. There is an attack on that mindset that you had when you were a child. To where today, we don't even know who we are. We knew who we were then. There's an attack on your identity. There's an attack on my identity. There's an attack on the destiny of the body of Christ. You're not how you feel. Jesus says this to you. He said, I just feel this. I feel that. You are not how you feel. He said, man shall not live on bread alone. Man will not live by their feelings, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he says about you is more important than what you think about you. What he says about a situation is more important than what even what you see about that situation. There is nothing that you can feel that is more valid than the word of God. And I know there's some people, and I'm just going to go here for a minute. I know there are people who are, who, who are saying, but you don't know what I feel physically. Can I tell you something? 
There is no physical feeling. And I know, I know um, when Leah walked through cancer, I, I know how miserable that is. When, when Jason David got up here and told his story about uh, the cancer, and you know, you hear somebody, it's like, oh, he had cancer, but it was his tongue. I mean, I mean oh man, the misery that he, were y'all here for that? Where he talked about what he went through. Guys, there is some, there's some very, very valid physical pain that people experience and are experiencing today. I want to encourage you. Get your voice, I mean, get your ear as close to the mouth of God as you possibly can because what comes out of His mouth is even more valid than what you feel physically. If your pain is screaming at you, get your ear as close to God's voice as you possibly can. And you are not what you can do. You are not your abilities. Jesus said this about that. He said, don't put the Lord your God to the test. It's not about you. Your strength or your limitations are not even part of the equation. And lastly, you are not what you have. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He will reward your action and you will have both fulfillment and blessing instead of just emptiness and stuff. A lot of us, we think we want stuff that brings emptiness, but He wants you to have fulfillment and to bless you. Let's stand to our feet and let's close this morning, if that's okay, if you can. We're just going to pray together. God wants to remind you this morning of who you are. He wants you to put aside every lie of the enemy. He wants to raise you up above all of the clouds where you can't see clearly so that you can see like an eagle sees and be able to see where you're going and see your destiny and see where you're heading. See yourself the way that He sees you. He wants to remind you who you are, how He made you, and what He designed you to do. This morning I proclaim over everyone in here, I release you from every lie of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, I break off every lie of the enemy. I encourage you this morning to release those things. Don't hold on to an identity that is not yours. The reason that an identity is placed on you by the enemy is to stop you from fulfilling your destiny. You will never be happy. You will never be fulfilled until you step in everything that God has created you to do. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I break it off. In the spirit, I break it off. I release. Everybody say this with me. Say, I release feelings. (laughs) I release wrong focus. And I will never forfeit what God has called me to. Let me pray over you, Father, in the name of Jesus this morning. I speak strength into every heart. This morning that people would rise up, your children would rise up in what you've called them to be and to do. 
we would be unmarred and untainted. You're coming back from a bride without spot or wrinkle. Right now, this morning, we allow the blood to wash every spot and iron out every wrinkle. God, we let it all go. We let it all fall, Lord, and we step out of it just like we would step out of uh, uh, a bathrobe. There's like we would step out of something. Lord, we just step out of it and we step into what you prepared for us. We let it all go. Every word that was spoken, every trauma that happened, everything that even we're going through and experiencing right now, it will not lead us and it will not define us. We will only be defined by your word in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, God, that you stand ready. You you don't slumber or sleep. You stand ready when we're ready. And this morning we are ready. God, we are ready to, to, to move as one in the unity of the Spirit, as the body of Christ in the way you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. And I know that God has great things for the church, but I know that God has great things for you no matter where you go and what you do. I encourage you to walk in the way and what he's called you to be and to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great day. Don't forget to come to the movie tonight. We're uh, renting the cinema. So uh, come to the Star Cinema. What time? At 5 o'clock. Star Cinema at 5 o'clock. It's going to be Victory Cinema tonight. All right. Love you guys. Y'all have a great rest of the day.